0: Good morning. I'd like you to join me in your Bibles in James chapter 3. Verse 13 of this chapter, James asks the question, Are you wise? But he's not looking for the answer to come from the tongue in your mouth. He's looking for the answer to come from the tongues in your shoes. So he says, Show me. By your deeds done in gentleness. Show me by your actions and show me by your attitude. And since for almost every one of God's gifts there is always a counterfeit, we shouldn't be surprised that there is a counterfeit wisdom. There is a wisdom that claims to be wisdom but is actually the opposite of wisdom And so, the real question that James asks is Are you wise or otherwise? And in verse 14, he gives us four characteristics of those who are otherwise they are jealousy, selfishness, pride, and deceit. You see, fundamentally, it is a heart issue. And we dug into those cancerous symptoms last week. But I want to point out one more thing before we move on from this verse. And that is that it is an exhortation. He says, if you have jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and deceitful. If you have the first two, don't do the second two. If you sense jealousy in your heart, If your selfish ambition is rising up and taking over in your heart, wisdom is measured by your response. You see, the person with true wisdom responds with humility and honesty. I admit it and I confess it. Sham wisdom, false wisdom responds with pride and deceit. You say, well, where does this counterfeit wisdom come from? What's the source? Look at verse 15. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. James points out three sources for this false wisdom. The first is it is earthly. That is, it is earthbound. It only takes into account the horizontal It doesn't take into account the vertical. It views life as simply being from the cradle to the grave. It's what Solomon called in Ecclesiastes, wisdom under the sun. And if you read Ecclesiastes, he uses that phrase all the time. Under the sun, under the sun. He is examining life as man sees it when he is under the sun, and he never sees above the sun. It is viewing life looking up from my viewpoint and trying to figure it out rather than looking down from God's viewpoint as he has revealed it to me. And that's why Solomon says the conclusion is it's all vanity. It's all empty. When you live life under the sun and understand life under the sun, it's empty. God's wisdom always looks paradoxical in this world. That's why when David went out against Goliath, King Saul thought it was wise to put his armor on him. What was God's wisdom? Take a slingshot. Man's wisdom would have said the way to conquer Jericho is to mount a surprise attack. What was God's wisdom? Walk around them seven times. Jesus walked among the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. The church at Smyrna thought it was poor. Jesus said, no, you're rich. The church at Laodicea thought it was rich. And Jesus said, no, you're poor. You see, God's wisdom is foolish to this world because this world is upside down. Man's wisdom says, exalt yourself. God's wisdom says, humble yourself. Man's wisdom says, grab for the crown. God's wisdom says, take up your cross. The first source is it's earthly, the second source is it's natural. It only takes into account account the natural, not the spiritual. And this word literally means soulish. It's the part of me attached to the earth. It's the part of me that is temporal. It's the fleshly me. And so this wisdom originates in my senses, my instincts, my desires, my reasoning. It starts with me. This is the logic behind the song If It Feels So Good, How Can It Be So Wrong? This wisdom puts feelings ahead of faith. I had a girl tell me one time if God didn't want me to marry this man, he wouldn't have put him in my life. I said, that's like saying, if God didn't want me to rob this bank, he wouldn't have put it on the corner. That's natural wisdom. That's starting with my desires and then justifying it. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. And then the third source is that it is demonic, which tells us that false wisdom is not just wrong, and it's not just inadequate. It is demonic. Do you remember Satan's strategy with Eve in the garden? He said, If you eat from this tree, you'll be like God. And it says, She saw that the fruit was desirable to make her wise. And so she ate it. And what did she get? All the things in verse 14. She became proud, selfish, jealous, jealous, and deceitful. And Satan is still contradicting God, telling you if you go your own way, you'll find wisdom. So let me say this to you this morning no matter how loudly you may be claiming to be wise, if you have jealousy, selfishness, deceit, and pride, in your heart, which will then show up in your relationships, that wisdom is not from God. Its origin is in the world, in your flesh, and in the devil. And because of that, the outcome should be obvious, but he states it for us in verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Two outcomes. The first is disorder. That word means chaos, confusion, has the idea of conflict. That's not hard to predict. If you take two people with jealousy and selfish ambition in their heart, their relationship is not going to produce unity. Even when people have a common purpose, Remember Genesis chapter 11, the world came together and said, we'll build a tower to heaven and make a name for ourselves. And God gave them a name. What was that? Babel. That means chaos, confusion. And then the second outcome is every evil thing, which is James' way of saying this wisdom leads to sin of every kind. So there's the description of the wisdom from below. Its source is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Its motives are jealousy and selfish ambition. Its attitude is pride. Its lifeblood is deceit. And its outcome is chaos and sin. Pretty dreary picture. And then against that dark background. In verses 17 and 18, James describes the wisdom from above. If you've ever taken an IQ test, this is a wisdom test. And as we go through this, I want you to do something for me this morning. I want you to think about what's in your heart. And I want you to think about what's in your relationships Because this is where he looks to find out if you're wise. And there are seven characteristics in verse 17. I'm going to present them to you as questions. First question. Are you pure? The wisdom from above is first pure. This word pure means to be free from defilement to be uncorrupted, to be authentic. If you are wise, you're not going to lie, you're not going to cheat, you're not going to swindle, you're not going to manipulate, you're not going to deceive, you're not going to use other people. If you are wise, you don't have to go through life worrying about whether you're going to be found out. Dr. Leonard Keller invented the lie detector. After he had tested about 25,000 people, he came to the conclusion that people are basically dishonest. We need the wisdom from above because it's pure, it's honest, it's transparent. When I meet with couples for premarital counseling, I tell them that the foundation to a relationship is trust. You have to have trust to build on. And I think that's why James tells us the characteristic of godly wisdom is first pure. First it's transparent. First it's honest because that trust is the foundation of every relationship. So the first question is, are you transparent? Second question, are you peaceable? Peaceable. This word describes someone who is not always argumentative. Someone who's not defensive. Someone who's not always walking around looking for a fight. When I was a kid, they used to have a commercial with Robert Conrad. He had a battery on his shoulder. He'd walk around saying, I dare you to knock it off. Some people walk through life that way, looking for conflict. I heard about one guy who was so argumentative that he only ate food that disagreed with him. James says, the wise person keeps harmony in his relationships. He doesn't divide people. He unites people. Martin Luther liked to tell the story of two goats who met on a narrow bridge over deep running water. There wasn't enough space on the bridge for either to turn around, and they didn't dare fight lest they be knocked into the water below and drown. So they stood there until one of the goats laid down on the bridge and let the other walk over him. If you are too proud to be walked on for the sake of peace, you're not wise. Now, let me clarify. Peace is always based on purity. That's why pure comes first. So he's not talking about peace at any price. He's not talking about peace that would compromise your moral integrity. He's not talking about peace that is, that is accomplished by sweeping sin under the carpet. What he's saying is, when the only issue at stake is your self-interest and your pride... Wisdom is willing to be walked on. So question number two. Are you peaceable? Question number three. Are you gentle? And this is a different Greek word from the one we looked at in verse 13. This word means to be sensitive. To be considerate to care about the feelings of other people. I heard about a young pastor who was at his first church and giving one of his first sermons. And At the end of the sermon, he was standing at the door, and a man came out and said, that sermon stunk. And The pastor said, well, what didn't you like about it? He said, first of all, you read it. And second, you didn't read it well. And third, it wasn't even worth reading. Well, the next fellow felt sorry for the pastor, and so he said, don't listen to Jim. He just repeats what he hears everybody else saying. (laughs) On one occasion, President Abraham Lincoln was at a formal dinner. He was sitting across from a fellow from the backwoods who didn't know proper etiquette. That man poured his coffee into his saucer and Drank out of it, to the horror of everybody at the table. Before anyone could embarrass that man, they looked over at Abraham Lincoln. He was pouring his coffee into his saucer and drinking out of it. See, wisdom is gentle. Wisdom considers the feelings of other people. So question number three is, as you look at yourself and your relationships, are you gentle? Are you characterized by being considerate? Fourth question. Are you reasonable? This word has the idea of being willing to yield, being ready to see another's viewpoint, being open to suggestions. The person who is reasonable is not stubborn, is not resistant, is not defensive. This person doesn't go through life saying, don't confuse me with the facts. I've already made up my mind. This person doesn't go through life saying, when I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. This person is willing to listen. This person is willing to learn. This person is teachable. This person is quick to admit, maybe I was wrong. This is the person who can disagree without being disagreeable. So question number four on your wisdom test. Are you reasonable? Are you flexible? Then question number five. Are you full of mercy and good fruits? Now, when you're full of something, it's spilling over. And James says, where there is heavenly wisdom, mercy will be spilling over into the lives of other people. Now, what does mercy mean? Well, let me help you with that. We, we talk a lot about mercy and grace when it relates to God Mercy is God, when God doesn't give you what you deserve, judgment. Grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve, salvation, eternal life. So mercy is when, when God withholds what you deserve, judgment. And so related to us, mercy is compassion for people who fail which is everyone. And James says, if you are wise, that is spilling over in your life. You are not emphasizing the failures of other people. You are not constantly hounding people with their past mistakes. You are not always holding those things over their heads. I heard about a fellow who was on vacation with his wife and he ran into an old friend and they got to talking and lost track of time and he got back to his hotel room about 2 a.m. The next day his friend saw him and said, uh, man, I'm sorry, I kinda, we had so much catching up to do. I know you got home, home late, how did your wife take that? And the guy said, well, she wasn't very happy, in fact, she became historical The friend said, no, you mean hysterical. He said, no, historical. She reviewed every mistake I've ever made. James is saying wisdom doesn't do that. Wisdom forgives, and though I can't forget, wisdom chooses not to remember. Wisdom chooses not to dig it up. And beat someone over the head with some failure from the past. Because when we fail, we don't need judgment, we need forgiveness. When we fail, we don't need condemnation, we need encouragement. And James says, if you are wise, you don't rub it in, you rub it out. And then he adds, you're also full of good fruits. Wisdom is not just full of mercy, which is the attitude. It's full of good fruits, which is the activity. And again, God's wisdom is practical. I don't just feel mercy, I show mercy. I I don't just forgive someone, I go further and I give. It's like the Good Samaritan. Wisdom gets busy mending the hurt and righting the wrong. So are you full of mercy and good fruits? Question number six. How you doing? Question number six. Are you unwavering? And this is a word that's used nowhere else in the New Testament but here. It's a word that describes someone who is utterly dependable someone who is consistent with everyone. He doesn't act one way with one person and a different way with another person. So James is saying, if you are wise, there is no first, second, and third class. If you are wise, there are no haves and have-nots. If you are wise, there are no rich and poor. If you are wise, there are no black and white. All men are equal at the foot of the cross. And you are consistent in the way you treat people. And then the seventh question, which is really parallel to the sixth question, just presented in a negative fashion. And that is, are you without hypocrisy? Now this word hypocrisy was a familiar word in the first century. It was used in the Greek plays. They didn't have a surplus of actors, so they used masks. An individual would come out and play one part with a mask on, then he would go backstage, switch masks, and come out and play another part. And they would call that fellow a hypocrite because he played two parts. And James says true wisdom doesn't pretend to be something it's not. Now, we live in a world that is full of phony relationships. Some of you can probably think of some phony relationships you've got where somebody says to you they, they just really enjoy being around you, and you're hearing that they're stabbing you in the back. Phony relationships. I'm glad this political election is behind us because that presents a lot of phony relationships. Some politicians wear one mask. One place and another mask, another place. Where am I? Oh, these are farmers. I'll tell them what they want to hear. Oh, this is the inner city. I'll tell them what they want to hear. Phony relationships. There's probably no better place to summarize phony relationships than a singles bar. So strange to me. The world says this is the way you should start a relationship that will be your most important relationship in life, and you start out with such a phony thing as a singles bar. Where else does a total stranger buy you something? Can I buy you a drink? You try that at Schnooks. <laughs> you single guys go up and say, Hey, can I buy you some cornflakes? Or this afternoon, go over to Sears. Care for a toaster? Phony relationships. The Eddie Haskell Society is flourishing in our world. And James says, wisdom is genuine. Wisdom is real. With wisdom, what you see is what you get. And what do you get? What is the outcome of the wisdom from above? Look at verse 18. He says, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What a tranquil scene. A peaceful field where peaceful people are planting seeds that will result in a harvest of righteousness. Now contrast that with the outcome of worldly wisdom in verse 16. Man's wisdom brings disorder. God's wisdom brings peace. Man's wisdom brings sin. God's wisdom Brings righteousness. Now, what is the seed that we plant that produces righteousness? What's the gospel? Interestingly, if you read Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, The wise will shine like the stars and lead many to righteousness. Wisdom is associated with bringing people to righteousness. And how do we bring people to righteousness today? We sow the seed of the gospel, which transforms their lives and brings them to Jesus Christ, who gives them their righteous, his righteousness. And what's cool is that James says, here's the setting for sharing the gospel. How do a lot of us share the gospel? Like a hand grenade. We sneak in, throw it, and run. James says, when you share the gospel, you are sowing seed. And that is to happen in a peaceful field. And it's to be done by a peacemaker who plants that in the heart of another person. And that other person already sees that you have peace in your heart. That person has already experienced the peaceful relationship you have established with them. And so they are receptive to the gospel. What James is saying is the gospel is not all about what you say. That's the last thing. It's all about that relationship you have built where they can look into your heart and see peace. They can look into that relationship and see peace, and they should be saying, I want what he has. I want what she has. And then they're ready with a fertile heart to say, I want to receive the seed of the gospel. James wants to know, are you wise? And to find out, you don't need to get your pencil out and take a test. You just need to look at your life. Here's the test. Are you transparent? Are you peaceable? Are you gentle? Are you reasonable? Are you full of mercy and good fruits? Are you consistent? And are you without hypocrisy? You see, wisdom has nothing to do with clever statements, large vocabularies, it has nothing to do with your IQ, it has nothing to do with your Bible knowledge, it has nothing to do with how articulate you are. God's wisdom is expressed in a quality of life. And as you see it this morning, I trust that you're saying with Solomon, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. You say, Dan, I want this wisdom. How do I get it? Well, he says it comes from above. You can't generate it. You can't produce it yourself. It's a gift given from above. How do we get it? Let me read a verse to you, Colossians 2.3. It says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. All the treasures of wisdom are in Jesus Christ. So when you find Jesus Christ, among all the other blessings he gives you, you find wisdom. The wisest thing I ever did was to bow and surrender to Jesus Christ. And I would challenge you this morning, if you're looking at your heart, and you're looking at your relationships and you're recognizing that what you have is the wisdom from below, I challenge you to do the wisest thing you can do and to surrender yourself, your all to Jesus Christ. We're going to pray and then we're going to close with a song, but pray with me, would you? Father, we thank you today for this mirror of your word that we can look into and see our hearts, see our lives as they really are. Lord, I pray that you would convict us today of the jealousy and the selfishness that has risen up in us. Father, cause us today to respond in honesty and humility, to bow and surrender to the only one who can change our hearts because you're the one who created our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would produce your wisdom in us, all of those characteristics in verse 17. And then as you produce those in our lives, Lord, I pray that we would express that wisdom by being people who sow the seed of the gospel in peace as peacemakers. Lord, show up in our lives in such a way that other people look at our lives and see the peace in us and want what we have and cause us to be careful to direct them to you because you are the source of it all. We give you our thanks and we give you our praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.